Father, we praise you. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace, your mercy. Father, we thank you that you've got us in your hands tightly that none can loose. I thank you, Father, for the time in which we live right now. And yet there is great responsibility for the time in which we live. I ask, Father, that you give us ears to hear and eyes to see what your Spirit says. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. can't describe my feeling this morning, almost ever since I walked in the door. I, I, don't, I don't necessarily have words for it. Um, maybe the word warning is the best. And yet, that encompasses a fear that isn't supposed to be there. Perhaps it's a warning to recognize maybe what you cannot see. <clears throat> I'm going to be reading today a court case that we did last Thursday. It is the sixth spirit of seven that we have dealt with in this country and its overall influence in the Court of Nations. There are seven total. There's one more. And what the Lord has really impressed upon me is to, to warn to guard yourself. Guard yourself against complacency. It's interesting that Alex used that same word for communion. Because remember I got up and I was about to say something and I said, no, the Lord wants me to wait till later. What I didn't know is he was going to have her say it. <laughs> Complacency can be a very generic term and have a lot of different hidden meaning. And so it's easy when you hear that term to just block it out. Right? But complacency hits in many different ways. Complacency can be caused even by pain, even by worry, even by a thought that I've been left out or I've been forgotten. I know that we have, ever since October, and we've talked about this, where the manifestational presence of the Lord has not been here. His presence is here so heavy. But to manifest in that way, He has not been here. And, and we've discussed why. And the enemy knows why too. It's because those calms have gone dark, if you will, for what's been going on and what is about to go on. But you can't think 
If you are not a physical part of this court team, you cannot think that you're not part of it. You cannot think that you don't have responsibility in it. Because there comes a point where the carpet bombing that we've talked about, this this overall bombing strategy to eradicate the overall influence, that will be done. And we're very close to that. At that point, it becomes a strategy of pinpoint accuracy. And if you are not part of it during this whole thing, you will not be there to understand the pinpoint strategy. And by the way, I'm not talking about anybody in particular in here. I'm not talking about anybody in particular online. I'm sharing a word that the Lord is giving me to make you aware to keep your eyes open, to keep your ears open. Because right now is the critical time. We have one more left in this country. And when he first told me this during worship, I I really had to kind of double take because I wanted to make sure it was him telling me to do this. But he wants me to announce this. He wants me to announce this spirit. And he wants me to give this spirit a message. This last spirit is the spirit of deception. It makes absolute sense that this is the last one because it is also the strongest one. You'll see in the court case I read today, the one we did last Thursday was very strong. And they get stronger and stronger and stronger until this is the last one that has an overall reach over this country. You see it everywhere. You see it in the media. You see it in politics. You see it, sadly, in the bride. This one is going to be broken. This spirit. This deceptive spirit. And the warning is this. Jesus is coming after you. He is coming after you for what you have done to his people. For the lies that you have perpetrated to make them believe. Or influence them to believe. He's coming after you and be aware it will not be just to strip your authority. It will be to cast you to the abyss. I speak this and declare it in Jesus' name. You can take them down now. By decree of the king, the highest authority, by the name of Jesus, the son who sits on the throne, by his executive order, I command this of you, Abaddon, that you are not to assist the spirit of deception in any way. You are to maintain all your troops back in Jesus' name. You are to have no contact in Jesus' name. All right, let's get into this last one.
This last week, as I said, was, why I think I brought the wrong glasses. There we go, much better. No, I'm kidding. Um, this last spirit, as I said, each one have gotten stronger and stronger and stronger, right? Well, this, this last one has been a thorn in the side of the bride for a long, long time. And I'm just going to begin reading through this. I, I'm going to first read, we, we, you know what, I'll just, I won't read it, I'll just tell it to you. Um, because it was very interesting. We went into the ready room first. Um, because I, I like to go in and just make sure. Just make sure, Father, do I have everything? You know, am I ready? And this one, it, each one has increasingly got more difficult um, because they have become more and more, only word I can really think of is generic in, in, their, in their ability to hide. And, and so I, I, I wanted to make sure that, that I had what the Lord wanted me to have in this. So we went to the ready room. And in the ready room, I, we were literally in there for probably a minute. Um, not including worship. But, but I, I went in and, and or we went in and I just said, Lord, do I have everything? And something appeared for the first time that we've ever seen in the ready room. And it was a gold gavel. And it came down three times and said, go. So we went. And that was the end of that. The reason I tell you that story is because I won't go into it now, but there's significance to that gavel. There's significance we know to that room of which he's shown more of. I'm just going to begin reading this as I have in the past. I said, Father, we ask entrance into your court of nations. We ask for the team that is physically here. Oh, let me explain this too, sorry. We did have an addition to the team this week. We had Michael. And he was connected via FaceTime, uh, video and audio. And, and so when you hear reference to him and you're going to hear him as a witness later, you'll understand that, that that's what was going on. Father, we, we ask entrance into your court of nations. We ask for the team that is physically here, as well as Michael, who is connected with us. I ask this in Jesus' name and by the power of his blood. Shannon then said, I see the metal doors and I hear the drums. And I see long rows of metal just going up the sides of the doors into a pointed arch. The doors are opening and I hear the massiveness of them as they move. I said, as we walk in, we will worship. We will sing this other song as we are walking in. And we sang together, we love you, Lord, or I love you, Lord. And I said, Shannon, tell me what you see when we were done with that. We worshiped as we walked and he proclaimed as he proclaimed in his word. That's what we did. Then Shannon said, 
When we first entered, I saw the gold floor, but flanked on each side, I saw rivers of silver flowing towards the throne. And I saw the movement and the beauty of the silver just flowing and flowing. Then that image disappeared and I saw the gold floor again. I heard bells and cymbals going along with our song and I heard the drums. I see the father's robes where his knees and his feet are. And the scales, the great scales of iron and different precious metals. That's what I see. I said, Father, we worship you and we praise you. Father, we do desire to worship to another song, but I would like first for this spirit to be summoned because I want the enemy to hear our hearts for you. Father, I ask for the spirit of immorality to be summoned in Jesus' name to this courtroom. I ask that any representation he is to have is to come with him now or not at all. Shannon, I had asked her what she saw. She said, I only see the scale and the Father's throne, but I heard him say, let him be summoned. And I said, Father, I ask that you seal this courtroom in Jesus' name, that you seal every window, door, and opening in the name of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit. I release warring angels in Jesus' name to stand in front of each opening, not allow it, now allowing not allowing anything in that is not, sorry, not allowing anything that is not to be here and not allowing anything to go out that is required to stay. I release them in Jesus' name. Father, I also ask before we worship, and I submit this in Jesus' name, that you bring judgment upon anything that would come against the physical connection we have through FaceTime that we have with Michael. I ask your judgment on this in Jesus' name and by the power of his blood. The father then said, interference in these proceedings will result in penalty. I have to say there, we did not have a single problem. Which every time I talk to Michael, and I talk to him maybe every day, every other day, whatever, we always have, sorry, we always have some kind of problem. Always consistently and that's only audio that's without video and this was seamless it was perfect i think the only problem he had is when some of us talked really low (laughs) he couldn't hear but that that wasn't for most of the court case though at least i said thank you father it is my desire to play a song that i believe you've laid on my heart that i believe depicts your heart for your people I ask permission to play this and worship to it in Jesus' name. The father said, yes. I said, before we played the song, I said, let it be said that we worship the Lord Jesus Christ. And remember, this is when the spirit is there. That was the point of having him come first. Let it be said that we worship the Lord Jesus Christ as the son of God, who became a man and lived a sinless, perfect life and gave his life on the cross for us. Because death could not hold him, he was raised to new life by the power of the Holy Spirit and stands here today at the right hand of his Father. He is our advocate. He is our lawyer. He is our friend. We worship in Jesus' name. Then we played the song by Lauren Daigle, Rescue. 
after the song, I said, Father, I declare in Jesus' name that we believe your love for us. We believe your love for your bride and that you have never forgotten, that you have never fallen out of love. But deception has come at the hands of the enemy and has brought your bride so far from you. But you are coming to rescue. Father, I declare that your army that you are sending, in addition to your heavenly hosts, is us. Father, we love you so much. We love your bride so much. We just want them with you. I submit this worship in Jesus' name and by the power of his blood. The Father then said, I receive your worship. I receive your love. I receive your willingness. I receive your sacrifice. I receive your lives. Yes, I receive each and every one of you. Let's continue. I said, thank you, Father. Then I leaned to Shannon and I said, can you see the enemy yet or no? She said, I only see the Father. Then Will, who was sitting next to me, said, Greg, what I can tell you is that when you called him in, there was a massive dark cloud that was filtering in. I said, Father, if it pleased the court, I would like to begin with an opening statement. I ask this in Jesus' name and by the power of his blood. The Father then said, speak. Father, my opening statement is simple because it is your words. I speak from Romans chapter 1 verses 18 to 32 that says this. But God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. They know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what, of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to, the, claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful, shameful things their hearts desired. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshipped and served the things God created instead of the Creator Himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. That is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. Even the women turned against the natural way to have sex and instead indulged in sex with each other. And the men, instead of having normal sexual relations with women, burned with lust for each other. Men did shameful things with other men, and as a result of this sin, they suffered within themselves the penalty they deserved. Since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, he abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things that should never have been done. Their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, 
sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, and gossip. They are backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, and boastful. They invent new ways of sinning and they disobey their parents. They refuse to understand, break their promises, are heartless, and have no mercy. They know God's justice requires that those who do these things deserve to die, yet they do them anyway. Worse yet, they encourage others to do them as well. Then I said, Father, I would also like to read another passage from Second Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 7 that say this. By His divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know Him, the One who called us to Himself by means of His marvelous glory and excellence. And because of His glory and excellence, He has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share His divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. In view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence. And moral excellence with knowledge. And knowledge with self-control. And self-control with patient endurance. And patient endurance with godliness. And godliness with brotherly affection. And brotherly affection with love for everyone. Father, it is the intent of the prosecution to show that your plan was perfect. And then sin infiltrated. Which over the course of time and effort from this spirit has gained control over the entire earth. It is also our intent to show that 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 was not your plan. And your plan is for change. You have already afforded that opportunity for change. We will show that this spirit of immorality has brought man low. And that he deserves death in your absolute judgment. I submit this in Jesus' name and by the power of his blood. Then the Father spoke. Is there any opening statement from the defense? The spirit of immorality said, No, we will see how far this prosecution can go. The father then said, Very well, proceed. I said, Father, if it please the court, then I will begin with section one, which is an explanation of this spirit of immorality. As I have said in the past, I will say now, In the definition that we give, it will not be all-inclusive. It will be portions of what we can bring before this court. But this spirit is to be placed on trial as a whole, and not just for the pieces that we bring, because he is not in peace. He is here as a whole. His influence is as a whole on this nation. Father, I begin by giving a basic definition of the word moral. It means concerned with the principles of right and wrong behavior and the goodness or badness of human character. Morality is knowing the difference between right 
and wrong and acting upon it rightly. Father, this court along with myself acknowledge that your law, Father, is perfect and it is the test of what is right and what is wrong. We are not submitting a law of humans, but the law of this court. That is where the judgment must stand against this spirit in Jesus' name. I would also define the word immoral, since this is the spirit of immorality. Immoral means violating moral principles, not conforming to the pattern of conduct of conduct usually accepted or established as consistent with principles of personal and social ethics. Father, I submit that definition, although a human definition, simply states that immoral is to be separated from the moral. To do different than, than what your moral law requires. This does not necessarily mean opposite, although it includes that. It can mean just a little off, because your law is perfect. Father, I submit synonyms to this word moral, decent, ethical, good, honest, honorable, just, nice, right, right-minded, righteous, straight, true, upright, virtuous. Father, I also submit antonyms to the word moral, which is what this spirit of immorality encompasses. Bad, dishonest, dishonorable, evil, evil-minded, immoral, indecent, sinful, unethical, unrighteous, wicked, and wrong. Immorality And this spirit of immorality leads to one of the most dangerous things that we see in our world today and certainly in our country. It is the thought process of truth being a relative term. In other words, your truth is your truth and my truth is my truth. It's based on our own thought processes to what truth really is. It's relative to what is around us. That's what this spirit of immorality brings. That is the basic definition of what this spirit does. It takes the basis of your truth, of your law, perverts it, even just a little bit, or all the way, so that those who are caught in its authority begin to believe their own truth relative to their own situation. This spirit, Father, only brings division and it brings confusion. And I submit this is not only to those who do not know you, but this is to your bride also. For as heartbreaking as it is for me to say, your bride also lives in a relative truth. When they walk deceptively in their own sin and believe it is of you. That's not the example, or that's the example of of relativism in truth. Father, I would like to submit as part of this first section, Isaiah chapter 5, verses 18 to 23, which say this. What sorrow for those who drag their sin behind them with ropes made of lies, who drag, drag wickedness behind them like a cart. 
they even mock God and say, hurry up and do something. We want to see what you can do. Let the Holy One of Israel carry out this plan, for we want to know what it is. What sorrow for those who say that evil is good and good is evil. That dark is light and light is dark. That bitter is sweet and sweet is bitter. What sorrow for those who are wise in their own eyes and think themselves so clever. What sorrow for those who are heroes at drinking wine and boast about all that alcohol they can hold. They take bribes to let the wicked go free and they punish the innocent. Father, this spirit is huge and its reach enormous because it has infiltrated every single person's life at one point or another and has gained different levels of authority at one point or another. In doing this with those who would have authority on this earth, specifically in this nation, this area where Abaddon ruled, this spirit has gained authority of influence, not just in that person's life, but influence in what they had influence over. This over and over has perpetrated layer after layer after layer of authority that this spirit has perpetrated. Father, it has no right to claim its righteousness before you. The people that it has gained authority over are not on trial here today. He is. So when he comes back and he remarks of his authority to do these things, I submit that those people that he will blame it on are not on trial today, but that he is. Let him stand for his own actions. Let him stand for what he has perpetrated. In conclusion of this first section, this spirit has tentacles everywhere in this world, everywhere in this nation, layer upon layer upon layer. We couldn't begin to list all of the areas where it has influence and authority. But it is our submission, Father, that we are not putting on trial the individual authorities that this spirit has. But we are putting on its authority as a whole. And that it is to answer for what it has taken from this country and from these people. I submit this in Jesus' name and by the power of his blood. The Father then said, have you a response speaking to the Spirit? The Spirit then said, you give a mere definition, a description. Where is your evidence? How have I affected this country? Is this a philosophical debate? Produce your evidence if you have any. Is not truth established by two or three witnesses? Does not your word say that the slave ought to submit to his master, even if his master beats him? And wives, shouldn't you submit to your husbands, though they be wicked and unbelieving? I have not to speak more, since you come here with empty claims. What connection do you have to pin me to any of this? I said, Father, if I may respond. He said, yes. Father, first of all, let me state the arrogance of this spirit because clearly he did not think it important enough for him to pay attention to the first five court cases that we've had in this courtroom. His arrogance felt he was untouchable, didn't need to pay attention because, because if he would have, he would have known that the first section we talk about is what this spirit is. 
We have not gotten to how this spirit did what the spirit did until section two. So his arrogance has kept him from even being prepared. Father, I submit this. I submit that his own words will find him guilty on one point. He spoke truth about one scripture when he says, slaves to their masters and being obedient. Is he not a slave to you, Father? Because he is your creation. And yet his principles, his ethics do not conform to his master's desires. And if he is merely a spirit that is going to claim that he is under his master Satan, then even better. Even better. If he will not have the courage to remark back that you are not his master but Satan is, then this court will receive that in Jesus' name. Because we would agree. I submit this in Jesus' name and by the power of his blood. Then the Spirit said, I still long to hear your point of authority, if you have any. I said, Father, may I speak? He said, yes. He said, I will let the, the Father speak of my authority, for you are here on his behalf. You are here at his command. The Father has given me authority over these courts. He has given me clean robes and a clean headdress to do his will, his bidding, not my own. I am not here for myself. I am here for his will and for the will of this court. My authority is not mine, but given me from the Father. I will let you hear that from him yourself. I submit this in Jesus' name and by the power of his blood. Shannon then said the court went into an uproar. And I heard the Father say, The right of access has been given. Personal attack upon the prosecution will be given penalty. Then the Spirit said, respectfully, of course. I said, Father, if I may move into section 2 in Jesus' name. He said, yes. This next section is the entrance of this spirit of immorality into America. Into this area that was controlled by Abaddon. And let me state this first. The entrances of this spirit into this country are vast and many. I will put forth a few, but Father, under your law, you have said when you are guilty of one, you are guilty of all. So what we submit will be enough. This spirit has had liberal license to infiltrate this government or any government simply because of the fall of man. And the fact that we live in a constant state of fallen flesh. This spirit, through the influence of Satan, can simply attempt to influence those that rise to power, and through their rise, this spirit has gained authority, even to what you see in our government today. Paul the Apostle said it best in Romans chapter 7, verses 18 to 25, and it says this, And I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I am not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. I've discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, 
But there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law. But because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. I said, Father, that being said, it is clear that man, without the covering of our Lord Jesus Christ, will always tend toward corruption of sin in his personal life and certainly in the government. I submit that the spirit that Paul was talking about that was fighting against him where he wants to do right and chooses to do wrong, that spirit is the spirit of immorality. It is the very spirit that is contrary to your law, which is what Paul was talking about in that passage in Romans 7. I would like to submit for this country one of the ways that the spirit has infiltrated. William Penn the first authority and owner by grant of the Pennsylvania colony, which includes the three lower counties known today as Delaware, had a desire of government that would give full freedom to all people. That freedom was to be a rule under God and not under the influence of this spirit of immorality. For evidence, I submit the preface to the frame of 1682, which was the first submitted form of government in what is now the United States. This document was written by William Penn and indicates his desire, his desires as the first authority in this land that would become America. I will state some of the wording might be difficult to understand for those listening because it is Old English but it will be understood perfectly by this court. And I say that now too. Some of this is, I've read, literally read the preface and the entire thing over probably 20 times. And I think I got about 80% of it. (laughs) I think I got most of it figured out. So I did change a few of the words, but it's it's still basically old English. The preface that William Penn wrote declares this. When the great and wise God had made the world of all his creatures, it pleased him to choose man, his deputy, to rule it. And to fit him for so great a charge and trust. He did not qualify him with skill and power, but with integrity to use them justly. This native goodness was equally his honor and his happiness. And while he stood here, All went well. There was no need of coercive or compulsive means. The precept of divine love and truth in his bosom was the guide and keeper of his innocency. But lust, prevailing against duty, made a lamentable breach upon it. And the law that before had no power over him took place upon him. And his disobedient posterity that such as would not live conformable to the holy law within, should fall under the reproof and correction of the just law 
without in a judicial administration. This the apostle teaches in divers of his epistles. The law, he says, was added because of transgression. In another place it says, knowing that the law was not made for the righteous man, but for the disobedient and ungodly, for sinners, for unholy and profane, for murderers, for whoremongers, for them that defile themselves with mankind, and for man-stealers, for liars, for perjured persons, etc. But this is not all. He opens and carries the matter of government a little further and says this, Let every soul be subject to the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. He is the minister of God to thee for good. Wherefore, ye must needs be subject not only for wrath, but for conscience sake. This settles the divine right of government beyond exception. And that for two ends. First, to terrify evildoers. Secondly, to cherish those who do well. Which gives government a life beyond corruption and makes it as durable in the world as good men shall be. So that government seems to me a part of religion itself. In other words, no separation. Understand that. A thing sacred in its institution and end. For it does not directly remove the cause. It crushes the effects of evil. And is as such, though a lower yet, an emanation of the same divine power that is both author and object of pure religion. The, the difference lying here that the one is more free and mental, the other more corporal and compulsive in its operations. But that is only to evildoers. Government itself being otherwise as capable of kindness, goodness, and charity as more private society. They weakly err that think there is no other use of government than correction, which is the coarsest part of it. Daily experiences tell us that the care and regulation of many other affairs, more soft and daily necessary, make up much of the greatest part of government, and which must have followed the people of the world. Had Adam never fell, and will continue among men on earth, under the highest attainments they may arrive, by the coming of the blessed second Adam, the Lord from heaven. Thus much of government in general, as, it, as to its rise and end, for particular frames and models, it will become me to say little. And comparatively, I will say nothing. My reasons are this. First, that the age is too nice and difficult for it. There being nothing, the wits of men are more bury and divided upon. It is true, they seem to agree to the end, to wit, happiness. But in the, me in the means... They differ. 
as to divine. In other words, they're following different lords. Are you following me on this? I know it can be hard to understand, but... Uh, again, but in the means they differ as to divine, so to this human felicity, and the cause is much the same. Not always want of light and knowledge, but want of using them rightly. Men side with their passions against their reason, and their sinister interests have so strong a bias upon their minds that they lean to them against the good of the things that they know. Secondly, I do not find a model in the world that time, place, and some singular emergencies have not necessarily altered. Nor is it easy to frame a civil government. That shall serve all places alike. Thirdly, I know what is said by the several admirers of the monarchy, aristocracy, and democracy. The three forms of government, just so you know which are the rule of one, rule of a few, and the rule of many, and are the three common ideas of government when men discourse on the subject. But I choose to solve the controversy with this small distinction. It belongs to all three. Any government is free to the people under it, whatever be the frame, where the law rules, and the people are a party to those laws. And more than this, any more than this is tyranny, oligarchy, or confusion. But lastly, when all is said, there is hardly one frame of government in the world so ill-designed by its first founders that in good hands would not do well enough. And story tells us the best in ill ones can do nothing that is great or good. Witness the Jewish and the Roman states. Governments like clocks go from the motion men give them. And as governments are made and moved by men, so by them they are ruined too. Wherefore, governments rather depend upon men than men upon governments. Let men be good, and the government cannot be bad. If it be ill, they will cure it. But if men be bad, let the government be never so good. They will endeavor to warp and spoil it to their turn. I know some say, let us have good laws, and no matter for the men that execute them, but let them consider that though good laws do well, good men do better. For good laws want good men and be abolished or evaded by ill men. But good men will never want good laws, nor suffer ill ones. It is true, good laws have some awe upon ill ministers. But that is where they have not power to escape or abolish them. And the people are generally wise and good. But a loose and depraved people, which is the question, love laws and an administration like themselves. That, therefore, which makes a good constitution must keep it, men of wisdom and virtue, qualities that, because they descend not with worldly inheritances, must be carefully propagated by a virtuous education of youth, for which after these ages will owe more to the care and prudence of founders 
and the successive mag magistracy than to their parents for their private patrimonies. These considerations of the weight of government and the nice and various opinions about it made it uneasy to me to think of publishing the ensuing frame, which is basically a constitution, and conditional laws, far seeing both the censures they will meet with from men of differing humors and engagements and the occasion they may give of discourse beyond my design. But next to the power of necessity, which is a solicitor that will take no denial, this induced me to a compliance that we have with reverence to God and good conscience to men, to the best of our skill contrived and composed the frame and laws of this government to the great end of all government, to support power and reverence with the people and to secure the people from the abuse of power that they may be free by their just obedience and magistrates honorable for their just administration. For liberty without obedience is confusion, and obedience without liberty is slavery. To carry this evenness is partly owing to the Constitution and partly to the magistracy. Where either of these fail, government will be subject to convulsions. But where both are wanting, it must be totally subverted than where both meet, the government is like to endure, which I humbly pray and hope God will please to make the lot of this of Pennsylvania. Amen. Then I said, In summary, Father, William Penn, as the first authority over this government that would become America, had a desire that all rule would be right and righteous before the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. His plan in the design of this government was for the principles of God to be its structure. From his initial heart on this matter, the spirit of immorality began to creep in. The first frame or constitution was subsequently changed and altered over the next 19 years. And finally, the frame of 1701 was ratified and stayed in effect until the revolution of 1776. Even in the original constitution of the United States, the principles of the word of God were desired and included. But over the years, this spirit, through the influence of Satan, has influenced the hearts of people to bring us to a place of wrongful interpretation of that constitution and the original desire of William Penn. Father, in this, the truth has become relative. Even at the very beginning, in what was laid out by William Penn, his desire was to have a government under you, the God, the one God, even that over time became infiltrated by this spirit, because this spirit's basic nature, the nature of immorality, is to go against morality, which is your law. So every moment that it could take to go against your law and to whisper into the ears of our founding fathers long before 1776, even in our original framers of the Constitution, framers of what our government would look like, beginning with William Penn, this spirit infiltrated them all. 
because it infiltrated through the desire of what they wanted for themselves over what God wanted for the land. Father, I submit that William Penn did go to you often and asked you what you wanted. And then others infiltrated with a voice that said, what about this? What about that? What about my rights? What about his rights? What about her rights? And this spirit began to infiltrate and design a government that became fashioned by the very immorality that this spirit is. I submit that at the beginning it wasn't even noticeable like it is today. Through that process I submit that this spirit has been very patient. For he knew that over time he would begin to steer the ship off course in ways they wouldn't see until it was too late. And now we bring ourselves to today, where truth in our government is relative. We've laid out in previous court cases, it's not even based on our Constitution. It's how you interpret the Constitution. It's how you interpret the times. I submit, Father, that it is not even the will of the people, because what this Spirit has done is taken the control of those in influence. And it is the minority by a great account that now speaks for the majority. Speaks over the people that desire your law, your perfect law, your moral law. Lord, the infiltration that this spirit has taken has been astronomical. This spirit has infiltrated this country in countless ways. We've listed a few. You say in James chapter 2 verse 10, for the person who keeps all of the laws except one is as guilty as the person who has broken all of God's laws. Father, I therefore submit that this spirit is guilty of all of his efforts, even though evidence of only a few have been submitted. It is where we are today. It is where relative truth allows marriage between men and men and women and women where relative truth leaves the decision up to the person as to whether they are going to be a boy or a girl. And apparently at whatever age. I believe it is California that passed a law recently that if a child decides they want to be a different gender, their, their parents have no say. That child can be taken from their parents because the child chooses to be something different than they are. Father, this is a result of this spirit stealing from your creation. If he is guilty of one, he is guilty of all. I submit this in Jesus' name and by the power of his blood. The father then said, have you any statement to make or any response to the spirit? Shannon then said, the spirit said, no, but I will say, and got cut off. She said he started to say, is not choice love? And he started to make an argument for love being a choice. And the father brought his gavel down very sharply and said, no, and cut him off. <laughs> I said, father, then if it be your will, I, move, I will move on to section three. The father then said, let Michael speak. Michael, you have the floor. You have been recognized. Michael then said, Father, as you know, I have been just reading through sections of Scripture that I feel you have led, led me to. 
The fact that you have opened the floor to me to speak right now, I feel is a confirmation of what you have been telling me. So Lord, I submit Isaiah chapter 13 and 14 before you. In the speaking of the judgment and taunting of Babylon, and what you say about Babylon, Lord, I feel very strongly to remind you of your words in chapter 14, verses 22 and 23, which say, I will rise up against them, declares the Lord of hosts, and will cut off from Babylon name and remnant, descendants and posterity, declares the Lord. And I will make it a possession of the hedgehog and pools of water, and I will sweep it with the broom of destruction, declares the Lord of hosts. And Father, I submit to you that I do believe that you have shown that this spirit is in relation to the Jezebel spirit. That it is the younger sibling of the Jezebel spirit. And God, I submit to you, even in the case of myself and my own testimony, this spirit has wreaked havoc on my life individually. But not to give the testimony of the individual wreaking of havoc, but how this twisting of the truth And how this deception overlays the minds of people in regards to this relative truth instead of the absolute truth of your word. Father, this has cost me many things. And I don't know, and I don't for one moment sit here and reject any responsibility of my own. They were my decisions. But Lord, the influence of this spirit over this nation over individuals, over institutional principles, and over institutional organizations. This influence over it has really driven a false sense of truth. So Lord, I submit the fact that I am recognizing this spirit as a portion and a part of Babylon in this ruling over nations and building up these nations And if I can even go back and quote here in Revelation chapter 18, verse 2. Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a dwelling place for demons, a haunt for every unclean spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird, a haunt for every unclean and detestable beast. For all nations have drunk the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality. And the kings of the earth have committed immorality with her. And the merchants of the earth have grown rich from the power of her luxurious living. Father, just as the very fact that this has completed play, sorry, Father, just the very fact that this has completely plagued the nations. Father, this word that we find is absolute truth. This spirit tends to to skew that mindset for people among the nations. We solely worship you and we solely believe that your word is truth. And the fact that these words are in your word makes this absolute truth. So Father, I submit this truth and the truth of the testimony of how it's affected my life even on an individual level, although this is a corporate hearing. Father, I submit this in Jesus' name. Then the father said, I receive your testimony. Has the defense a response? The spirit answered, no. The father then said, move on to the third section. I said, thank you, father. Your will is clear. 
your will regarding morality, your will regarding your law. And it's not about being under the law. It's about Jesus who came to complete the law. He did not abolish the law. And it is that law in which has, and it is that law in which this spirit stands on trial under. You said in Proverbs chapter 28 verse 2, when there is moral rot within a nation, its government topples easily. But wise and knowledgeable leaders bring stability. Father, the purpose of us coming here is your will, because it is your will that this country be made great under your name and your leadership like it was first laid out by William Penn in his prayers to you over and over again in his personal time with you. Your desire for this country to be as it states in our slogan on our money, under one God, in God we trust. We are one nation under God. I submit this in, I submit this is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and no other. This is the God whose son became a man, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, manifest in the flesh, giving his life for us, and standing here in this courtroom, representing our leadership. For he is our King of kings, and our Lord of lords. And Father, I submit that that it is your will that he leads this nation. I submit what you have told me, Father, that we are going through cycles of prophetic revelation that will bring Israel to a place of jealousy. Everything in one way or another that will bring Israel to the point of absolute reign, accepting their Messiah as Jesus Christ, will first be done with your bride and the readying of your bride. I submit that this is your will. Evidence of your will is the very thing that this spirit argued about earlier. And that was the authority that you have given me. It has been submitted before and I submit it today for his reference. Clearly since he did not listen to the other court cases. But what you prophesied to Zechariah in chapter 3 was done. And that authority has given to me, has been given to me in this court. But father I submit that it didn't stop there in Zechariah. Everything that you put forward in your will, it is our desire for it to be done in this country. And yet that is the opposite of what this country looks like right now. What we look like is not your will at all. What we desire, Father, is one nation under God. Indivisible. Undivided to the fact that we are under the same God. The God. You, Father. That is our desire. That is what we cry out for as your remnant. We cry out for you to do the very things that Michael spoke of in the book of Isaiah. That you come and you vindicate your children. That you bring your righteousness back to this country. For that is your will. Father, I will, I will read from Ephesians four seventeen to 5.20 as evidence of your will. With the Lord's authority, I say this. Live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against Him. They have no sense of shame. 
They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. But that that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupt by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all part of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. If you're a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good work, and then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, He has identified you as His own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you, as, you are as dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, coarse jokes, they're not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. You could be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Of this world. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins, for the anger of God will fall on all who disobey Him. Don't participate in the things these people do, for once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light, for this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. It is shameful even to talk about the things the ungodly people do in secret. But their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them. For the light makes everything visible. That is why it is said, Awake, O sleeper. Rise up from the dead and Christ will give you light. So be careful how you live. Don't be like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves. And making music to the Lord in your hearts. 
and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Then I said, Finally, Father, I submit this. Your law is perfect. Your law is morality. The antithesis of that law is this spirit. And in those ways, he has infiltrated this world from the beginning. But specifically taking control of our government, this is not your will. And although your law was perfect, your law was put forward to show us our wrong. Your law was put forward to condemn. And because of that, you sent your son to cover our condemnation, to cover our inability to live perfectly in this law. Lord, you said that we're offered redemption. This spirit is not. This spirit does not fall under the redemption of your son and his precious blood. Nor would he, even if he had the opportunity, which he does not. So I am not saying that all things are judged under your law. Because Jesus made your law complete. And through him the veil was torn. And we can build relationship with you. However, the law also did not become obsolete. Because your law, your righteousness, your goodness is what draws us to you in relationship. And when we, through immoral choices, and through the influence of this spirit, choose those immoral ways, we put up barriers in that relationship. You said it in Hebrews 6, that your son cannot be sacrificed twice. So, Father, your law and the relevancy of your law is critical to our relationship with you. Not as a legalist, but as one in love. Father, I submit my own life. My own desire for relationship with you is evidence. I am a man full of sin that is covered by the blood of your precious son. My desire, as David's was, is to love your law. Because with the absence of this spirit and the others, those barriers, the influence of those barriers is gone. I'm no different than anybody in your bride. And yet so many are encumbered by the influence of this spirit to just shy away from your law because these ones are important and these ones are not. Father, you are the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. If one was good, they are all good. If one is even broken, we don't lose salvation, but we do lose intimacy with you. That's what this country has lost. The influence of this spirit has permeated so much to where we, where even your children in many ways have no recourse to fight back. I remember the song you had us play at the beginning, that you are the rescuer, that you will rescue your children, and that you are sending an army at the very moment that it is needed. Here we are. Send us. We worship you. And I submit this in Jesus' name and by the power of his blood. Then the spirit of immorality spoke. What right do you have to remove me from my place of authority? The men and women of this nation have given themselves to me completely. They line their pockets with stolen riches. 
They grow fat at the expense of others of innocence. You think they will give up their place? They have already sacrificed on an altar to me. You speak of a minority whose voice is louder than the majority. Why does this remnant, this ignition, even have a voice here? Where is the bride unified to stand as one voice? That they might be represented here. You will find men of your churches, your deacons and your pastors, those who have been sought for high counsel. It is these who I say have lined their pockets with stolen riches, who murder and steal at the expense of the innocent. And yet the bride can come here, this remnant, and have authority? Shan't I too have authority based on my minority, which has such a loud and high voice? What righteousness is this, that you be given a voice and I am not? If you long to take me captive or overcome my authority, then bring your representatives. Gather your majority. See if they will even show up to this court. Not that even half of them know that it exists. I rest my case. Then said, may I speak, Father? He said, yes. We are not here to please the majority. We are not here to please the minority. We are here to please our Father, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And you misunderstand if you think I speak of my own authority, for I do not. I speak in the authority of Jesus Christ. My Savior. The one who poured his blood over my life. The one who chose to give his life on the cross for me. And for everyone else. I do not speak for my own gain. I speak in obedience of the Father, and the only thing that drives my desire is relationship with Him. And <clears throat> in that relationship, He has taught me what these spirits have done to His children. In addition to those who don't know Him, I have felt the anger of the Father boil. I feel it now. Your arrogance. Father, forgive me for speaking directly to him. His arrogance will be his destruction. He does not even know that even now, at this moment, he is on the precipice of destruction. This is not rule by majority. This is rule by your righteousness, Father. Our desire is to represent our, de sorry, our desire and our representation is simply of that, to be your hands, to be your feet. I will say this as well, 
You say that nobody knows about this court. You are right. It holds no basis or foundation for for it having any less authority. In fact, it's the reason why this court is activated in the first place. Because this world has been deceived. It will be awakened. Just as I read in your scripture, Father, where you said, Wake, O sleeper. Father, we are awake. It is your bride that must be awakened. More than just this remnant. Because they will choose you. Some will not. But Father, I submit that the choice has to be without the influence of this spirit. He said what we will do with all the position, or he said what will we do with all the positions of authority that he has gained because they have already sacrificed to him. So what? When you play on the losing team, you lose. It's as simple as that. Father, I submit that those who have taken advantage of others those who have listened to this spirit and have done all these immoral things to gain power and control over others, I submit that it be taken away from them, that your righteous indignation be released. I ask this spirit to be completely bound and stripped of all authority. I ask that it be cast to the abyss in Jesus' name. Father, I ask for forgiveness for this country. Forgiveness on behalf of your bride for ever taking our eyes off of you. For ever allowing this spirit to have any kind of voice because it breeds selfishness. I ask forgiveness with the confidence that you will forgive because of the blood of your son. And the result of that forgiveness, Father, I ask for the destruction of this spirit. And I ask for this country to be turned over to your people that look to you in relationship, that look to you as their leader, that listen to your voice to make decisions. What I ask, Father, is that Jesus lead this nation. I know he might not come here in physical manifestation to do that because he will one day with Israel. But Father, we've proven right here he does not have to physically be here to lead it because we will listen and do anything that he says. Because he only says to do what you want. He wants your will We want your will. I ask that you fill this government, fill every one of the seven mountains of influence in this nation with people that will do that very thing. Just be a mouthpiece for you. And trust you to make the decisions. Trust your word, your law to bring relationship and sweet closeness to you. That's your will. We, t- we declare that is our will and what we desire as well. I submit this in Jesus' name and by the power of his blood.
Then Shannon said, Jesus is standing with us. And he said, may I speak, Father? The Father said, yes. I want you to pay attention to this. Listen to what he said. (laughs) Hope I could get through it. (laughs) Father, this spirit misspeaks. And this is Jesus saying this. This remnant, my beloved ignition, it does not represent the bride. They have come, Father, on behalf of the bride. They represent me. They represent your will through me. I am the one who they call truth. On my brow is written morality, and from my mouth flows justice. This spirit is a liar against the people, and a liar against my people. And I ask you, Father, that you would bind him and let him be stripped and thrown into the dark pit from which you can never come again. You have heard his arguments, but I stand before you now, fulfiller of your word, the embodiment of your law, and he has nothing to stand on. I submit this before your court in the name in which you have exalted my own. Shannon then said, I heard a gavel, and it created light and sound all across the courtroom. And chains came upon that cloud, and it was confined. And it was large enough to fill the space in the courtroom, which is enormous. But it was confined by these chains and gathered like it had been vacuumed into a small space. And I heard wailing and uproar in the room. And the drums were loud. And it is being dragged away. Dragged away into the pit. He has now been cast. I said, thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We love you. Sometimes when, and not so much here, but online, when you listen to these simply as a story, you're missing what's going on. You see, the eschatology of Israel, and what that is, is is the end times, how it lays out, how it plays out of Israel, you know, is, is laid out pretty clearly all throughout the word of God. What was not laid out clearly, what was hidden, even as Paul said, was hidden, but was in part something he got to reveal and would be known later, is that God is doing the very same thing with the bride in a way that will make Israel jealous. Because, see, it was supposed to be Israel all along. 
The Gentiles were grafted in because they rejected the very Messiah that was sent for them. But it's through what he's doing with his bride. It's through this readying that I call it. That he is going to open Israel's eyes. See, all the things that you see are set aside for Israel. Israel will lose nothing in what he's doing with the bride right now. Even though what he's doing with the bride are the very things he wants to do with Israel. You say, you see, the very Babylon that will be destroyed in a physical sense in the tribulation is being destroyed in a spiritual sense in this country. This country that rules. I find it so funny how so many theologians have for years tried to, tried to make, you know, the tribulation fit into America and, but, but then where's America in all this and, and blah, blah, blah. And, and yet what they didn't see, what none of us could see, what I didn't see before was this idea of making Israel jealous. And what he's going to do in his bride. See, his bride is not ready for him. Would you want to pick up your bride not being ready? No. Nobody would. He wants his bride to be ready. So what he is going through is the very things that will make his bride ready. See, it's the very thing that he's going to do with Israel. Because see, Israel are his natural children. We're adopted. Now the cool thing is we're adopted and we get the same thing. Praise God. Boy, just read Romans, read Hebrews. Boy, if you can really get a grasp on those two books, it'll give you an idea of what all this means. But recognize that we are in end times. No doubt about that. But it's going to look different than what you might think. Because it's not about the church being gone first, which it will be in the tribulation. That's when the bride's readied and he comes and gets us. And then Satan, he has his last shot. But open your eyes. Open your eyes, recognize what he's doing because... This world is an easy thing to get caught up in. And what that means will distract you from what God wants in your life. If you make your life all about relationship with him and nothing else, he will truly do the rest. doesn't mean you don't go through hardships. Good night. If that were the case, God owes Paul an apology. It's not about the hardships. It's about how you ride through those. I'll guarantee you, if Paul were standing here right now and you could ask him, well, you know, if, if you had the choice of, of having an easier life, you know, different choice you could have made, would you have made a different choice? And he would absolutely tell you no. 
I would tell you the same thing. Other people that are passionately in love with Jesus Christ and have relationship with him would tell you the same thing because it's that pearl that you find and you sell everything for. Jesus is that pearl. Knowing him in relationship, building relationship with the Father because the veil's been torn. That's what he's doing. And that's what he's done with Ignition. But that's what he wants to do with the bride. We have one more. As I said at the beginning, we have deception, which will be the biggest one. But boy, (laughs) the bigger you are, the harder you fall. Right? It won't be hard in the court. Understand God's righteousness is pure. But it will bring about the finality of the influence in this country. And you're going to see a very tumultuous year. Because I don't know what it looks like. You know, what was declared, what was, what was judged upon. You know, all these people that have this influence in this, in this government that are unrighteous. It's going to be taken away from them. It's going to be. If they don't honor God, it is going to be taken away. I don't know what that looks like. Except God's judgment is righteous. I can tell you it will be tumultuous. I can, if you want a glimpse of what it's going to look like, start reading the Old Testament. how God would step in to save Israel. How he would step in in ways that were clearly just him. We talk about Gideon and his 300 quite a bit. I mean, think about what what happened. I I believe it was 126,000 or 130,000, whatever it was of the enemy totally slaughtered. And they they never even drew a sword. They never even killed anybody. They just shined their light on top of the hill. Press into him. Press into him. Because the time is now. The time is now. What's What's about to happen is upon us. Father, we worship you and praise you. We thank you for your love, Lord. I pray that you use this because it wasn't just about a court case being won. Father, you have instructed me to put these online, to put these on the podcast. I have, I, I know part of that is, is for the future, for, for a historical record. But Lord, what I ask is that you change lives even right now with it. That people will look with their heart longing for you and not look with what they think they know. Because what they think they know is their downfall. Unless it's coming from you. Father, draw hearts to you. 
Show us the power of being before your throne, to be in prayer before your throne. Fill up that prayer call every night, Father. Fill up the other one every morning, Father. That as we go before your throne, we just lay our yes down before you. We love you so much. In Jesus' precious name, amen.